Church, uh, if you have your Bibles, again, Acts chapter 9, verses 19 through 22. Title of the sermon this morning is just two words. It's, it's, it's now what? Now, when I was a teenager, I've got a confession that, I, that I've got to make. Don't hold this against me. But when I was a teenager, I listened to a lot of country music because that is just what I grew up with. That is what I was around, that is what my family listened to, and that is what I had become accustomed to, accustomed to when I was a teenager. So George Strait and Garth Brooks and uh, Alan Jackson and Tim McGraw and Joe Diffie and Randy Travis, and I know you listen to country music, you get your house back and your wife back and your, you know, and your job back and all these other different things, but there is some good country music out there, Amen. Uh, that is inspiring, but the list goes on. But there was one band that I really, really liked, and that band's name was Brooks and and Dunsey. I knew there's country fans out here. Well, in, in June of '91, I was a freshman, I think, or sophomore in high school. This group uh, entered the country scene with their very first single, and their name of that single was "Brand New Man." And the song begins by saying, and Billy, you can sing it, I'm not going to, because uh, if I sing and it sound decent, then I know you'll recruit me for the choir. And so, but it goes like this, I saw the light, I've been baptized by the fire in your touch and the flame in your eyes, I'm born to love again, I'm a brand new man. Now, church, listen, I realize that uh, uh, Brooks and Dunn, they're not singing about Jesus, and, and, and they're not really singing about their personal testimony within this song, but these lyrics actually fit what happened to Saul. Saul saw the light. Saul was born again. He was baptized through Jesus and he was taught a new love in Jesus and the Bible explains to us that through Jesus he became a brand new what? A brand new man. And then we have the Bible that tells us, even in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has, has come. And so the man that we have been studying over the last two weeks, or a little bit further than that, was just that. He was a brand new man. And listen, Saul was an educated man. Saul was very well versed in different languages. He knew the Old Testament. He had been a terrorist to Christians because of his belief that Christianity and Jesus was a false prophet and they were heretics. But when he met Jesus, the Son of God, personally, when he met Jesus, the Son of God, on the road to Damascus, something changed in his life. Saul became a believer. The Bible says he received the Holy Spirit, he was baptized, he regained his strength, the old was gone, and the new had what? And the new had come. But what now? See, this is where a lot of Christians stagger in their walk with God. This is where a lot of Christians, you know, I put it on Facebook this morning, now what? What do we do when we've been saved? You know, what do we do after we've been dumped? What do we do after we join a church? What is expected of us? What are the, what's the method? What, what is the expectations that God the Father, that Jesus places in our life? Well, what should a believer's life and testimony look like? What should it look like? 
Well, let's read Acts chapter 9. I'm going to look just a few verses this morning. 19 through 22. Listen to the word of God. And after taking some food, this is Saul, he regained his strength. And Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God, all of those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those? Call on his name. And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful, and he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the what? The Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you for the music. Thank you for the opportunity for us to worship and praise your holy name. Thank you for this church family, dear God. Thank you for an opportunity to get out of bed this morning, to rise and shine, and to be here. God, that, that this is a blessing, Lord. That this is not a something that somebody made you come to do. This is something that you that we get to come and do. And so, Father, thank you for that freedom that you have given to us, Lord. And, Father, as we've come today, and, 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 Lord, you've already prepared our hearts to worship through the music. God, there's a lot of things on our hearts and on our minds this morning. And, Father, I pray that you use this sermon, that you use this scripture. Father, sometimes our walk with you just needs to be reignited for you. Father, sometimes we, we, we fall, and, and Lord, sometimes we struggle. And God, you know better than any of us that over the last five to six months, Father, we have been struggling. People's walks with you, Lord, have become crossed. Father, people's uh, relationship with you has become stagnant. And, and God, it's so easy to put on a negative attitude and have a negative outlook on life. But Father, you still love us, Lord. Father, you still have expectations for us, God, of who we are to be, no matter the surroundings or what's going on within this world. And so, Father, lift us up today. Encourage us, Lord. Convict us, God, where we need to be convicted. Convicted, Change us, Lord, where we need to be changed. And, Father, I pray today, Lord, that you're already working and that decisions will be made for you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said... Amen. Amen. Now, once a heart transplant, and I use this, these terms spiritually, has happened in a believer's life and Jesus takes the will, people are puzzled. Sometimes we don't have the answers of what it is that Jesus is expecting from our lives. But let me ask you this real quickly. Is Jesus expecting anything from your life? I believe he is. Amen. So as people living in the 21st century, we're so used to knowing the next steps and anything that we become a part of. You look at a car. You try and bargain the price of the car. You buy the car or you walk what? Or you walk away. We go to the doctor. We wait the analysis. We wait the diagnosis, and then we go to the pharmacy. We pick up our meds that they describe us. Or we go to school. Amen? We know our schedule. We go class to class. We do our work, and we hope to make good grades and eventually graduate. So every single thing around us typically has a next what? A next step. But what about our faith? What about our faith in, in Jesus Christ? 
What's the next step once we have given our life to Jesus? And for many Christians, we, we just become so confused on what we are supposed to do. We've become so confused. Well, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to be? What do you want me to, to be a part of and to dedicate to? And so we have all of these questions that, that wound up coming into our lives and we get very confused on everything that we're supposed to do when it comes to our faith. Well, then verse 19, and this is where your sermon outline begins this morning. Are you ready? In verse 19, Saul gives us a great example of where we are at the start. And I'm going to make this so simplistic for us today. That a teenager, that a child, that an adult, hopefully of any age, can grasp this. And I hope and pray by the end of this sermon, Jesus, he will answer that question for you. Of now what? So number one, are you ready in the Bible? Also, here we go. Once in Christ, we need to become one with other what? With other believers. Now, we've been talking about unity and a transformation of attitude ever since I got here in January of 2020. And the first thing that we're seeing is we work through this book of Acts and we see this transformation of a man that was a terrorist of Christianity to this new, born, new, brand new man. As we see this, we need to become one with other believers. And so now that Jesus has come into the life of Saul, not only had his heart changed, but now he had more questions than he did answers. And that's typical of a Christian, amen? It's typical of a Christian to come and say, well, what does God want, want from me? What does God expect from me? Where can I get involved? How can I use my talents? And so it's okay to have these questions. So what did he do? He sought out the disciples in Damascus. And why would Saul do such a thing, especially knowing how they felt about him? And we understand the way that they felt about him. Why? Because he had been a Christian terrorist. And so we understand why Christians would be hesitant. We understand why they would be living in fear from him. We understand why they were scared. Well, Saul sought out other believers because he needed their companionship. He needed their fellowship. Just like we did he needed to study the words of Jesus. He needed to know, well, what did Jesus say? Because all of his life previous to this, he had been fighting against Jesus. So he's like, well, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus teach? So he's absorbing all of this stuff up like a sponge because something new has taken place in his what? In his life. Don't ever take maturation in your, with your walk with God for granted. Amen? Don't ever get to that point where I know everything that there is to know. I've read the Bible front to back. I know all the books. I know everything. Listen to me. You're going to grow in Jesus from the time that you're converted to the day that He draws you home. That's what He wants. So Saul, he's looking for growth in Jesus. Saul needs to be built up. He needs to be encouraged. You know, don't we need that right now more than hardly anything? Our children need to be encouraged. They've not been in school in six months. And people look at this and sometimes they often overlook. We adults, most of us are okay. But children are not. 
They miss that social interaction. They miss those relationships with their teachers. They miss that common feeling of knowing I've got a schedule and getting up and going somewhere and having something beneficial throughout the day. They miss that. Our kids need to be encouraged. Our youth need to be encouraged. And I know that's one of the things that Austin's been struggling with. He's like, oh, Donnie, I want my youth back. Why? It's not because he's thinking of job security. It's because he loves them. I want my children back. It's not because of job security. It's because Austin loves his children at this church. That's why. It's personal. So this is a personal situation with Saul. And especially to let others know, well, why do we want to be around others? Because he's, he's wanting to let them know, hey, I'm a believer. I've been saved. The Holy Spirit resides in me. I'm a brother now. I've got a brand new family. I'm not just a brand new man, but God's given me a brand new what? A brand new family. You know, people often feel, oh, I don't go to church. You know, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. Brothers, sisters, listen to me. If you're listening to me and you are out there in radio land or on Facebook, you need a church family. And church families, let me tell you, we fail sometimes. We fail. Why? Because we're in the flesh. We're humans. I've heard people say, well, I don't go to church because I had a bad experience. You go back to McDonald's. You go back to Walmart. You go back to the schools. You go back to the doctors. You go back to all of these other people. We go back. And let me tell you this. You don't come to church to worship people. You come to church to worship God with people. Amen? That's why you come. But if you've never been in a loving church family, I'm going to tell you something. I wish whoever's listening and you're not in a church, come try us out. I know there's a lot of churches that you can go to in Hardin County, but I promise you, we're going to love you. And we're going to worship with you, and we're going to put good people around your children, and we're going to put good people around your youth. And they're not going to be looked at as just a number, but they're going to be looked at as a person. And when, as a father, that's what I want from my children. That's what I want for mine. You know, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, the Bible says two are better than one because they have a good return for their works. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Saul needed someone to help what? To lift him up. Acts 2, 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayer. Why do we read these verses? Because we need one of we need each other. We need each other. Jesus had just saved Saul's life, but Saul needed to learn about Jesus to help lead others to life in Christ. And, and I'm going to say this real gently this morning. Going to church does not make you a Christian. But going to church places you in the context of God's people of God's word and the means to which to get discipled, encouraged, and built up for the service of God's work. That's what the church does for you. That's what we do for each other. And then number two, once in Jesus, we need to proclaim. And many people may look at this and say, well, we know this. It's just an expectation. Amen? But sometimes the light needs to be shined a little bit. Sometimes the books need to be dusted off the shelf a little bit. We need to proclaim Jesus is the son of who? 
of God. We see this in verse 20. So Saul was this, this huge situation where he had been preaching religion. We know his Judaism background. We know that he was a Pharisee. And so he's been preaching religion. He's been preaching tradition. He's been preaching rituals. But now Saul preached Jesus and Jesus alone. And it's very important that we understand the intent here in this verse because the author of Acts, which is Luke, by the way, he wants us to understand that Saul's message is a new message. It's a new message, one that caused him to hand his life over to Jesus, to put him on a different path. And preaching Jesus as the Son of God, this was a huge transformation for Saul. Why? Because now preaching Jesus was the, he's the expected Messiah. He was the one that was prophesied. It's come to fruition. Jesus is the great I am. Jesus was born. He lived. He died. He rose again. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through who? Except through Jesus. And isn't it amazing that the terrorist of Christianity, the denier of Jesus Christ, was now proclaiming Christ, not as a dead heretic, but as the Son of God who was very much alive, the same man that was yelling out threats to Christianity and putting them in jail, he's now preaching salvation and liberation through a relationship with Jesus. What a transformation, amen? And that's what people want to see. They want to see that your life has been transformed, not by what you did, but by what Jesus has done in you. In you. That's what they want to see. They expect to see it from me. I'm a preacher. They expect to see it from Billy and from Austin and from the deacons and the door greeters and the Sunday school teachers and the choir. They expect to see this Jesus from us. But I'm telling you, you want to see a church grow. You want to see a church catch on fire. Let the members start showing Jesus in their walk with God and watch what happens. Watch what happens. It'll blow up. And that's what people want to see. They can see it in Saul. And they're surprised. This is the same man, yes? Same man, but different Jesus. Because now Jesus to him wasn't a dead heretic, but now Jesus to him was the Son of God, his Savior, his Messiah. And Saul didn't just join a body of believers and begin to preach the word, but number three. You ready, Austin? Once in Christ, we become a what? We become a living testimony to those around us. Once we have been saved, we become a living testimony to those around us. Saul had people talking in a manner of surprise. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it really cool when Jesus comes into your life and people look at you or they're talking behind your back? We're good at that, amen? People are good at gossip. They're good at talking behind people's back. and They're like, man, there's something different about that person. There's something different about that man. There's something different about that young man or that teenager. Something, something's happened in their life because that's not the same person that I know. You know, I'm so thankful I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. I'm thankful that I wasn't the person 15 years ago. I'm thankful that I'm still not the same person I was 10 years ago or 5 years ago. I always remember that song that we learned in Bible school. He's still what? He's still working on me to make me. To make me. See, I can't make myself. But Jesus can. Jesus can. And that's what was happening. 
These people, they said, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem? Hasn't he come here to take them prisoners through the chief priests? And it said they were witnessing a man that was preaching that Jesus was, was not the one to persecute. But Jesus was the one to believe in. Jesus was the one to place your faith in, to trust in. They saw a man who formerly persecuted Christians now joining their cause. They saw a man that had been breathing out murderous threats to now preaching Jesus as the way and the truth and the life. Saul was living unlike he had ever lived before. Amen. Saul was breathing and sharing Jesus to those who would listen. Now, the scripture doesn't say that if Saul was sharing his personal testimony at this time or whether he was just preaching Jesus as the Son of God. But you know, sometimes you've got to dig a little deeper. Sometimes you've got to ask yourself some questions. Sometimes you've got to look at each verse and, and, and really digest what the Bible is trying to tell us. So I want to ask you this. How do you share Jesus without being a living testimony for Jesus? How do you share Jesus with other people if we're not being a living testimony for Jesus? Everyone that heard Saul preaching was seeing a living testimony right in front of their very eyes. This man had changed. And he did not change because of his own doings, but because of what Jesus had done with him. And that's what people want to see. They want to see that change. They want to see the transformation. Some of y'all may remember this name, Charles Duke. Now, this was a few years before I was brought into the world. Uh, Charles Duke was a lunar module pilot of the Apollo 16 in 1972. Any of y'all remember this? You can raise your hand. It's okay. He became the 10th and youngest person to walk on the moon at the age of 36. Now, you may be saying, well, what's so significant about Charles Duke? I want you to hear his testimony. I want you to hear this. Are you ready? After walking on the moon, I was bored. Wow, brother. <laughs> you only did something a handful of people have done. Listen to the fame, fortune, a spot in the history books. I had it all. But if you'd been applying the wall to my house, you would have seen that I wasn't so hot. I was failing miserably as a husband and as a father. Though I had gone to church all my life, I had all of God I needed in that one hour every Sunday morning. And, and I would say that there's many Christians that fall into that. Even the moon had not been a spiritual experience. I, I wasn't looking for God. I only knew Jesus the way you know the U.S. presidents in name only. My business succeeded and the money rolled in, but again, I was bored. But Dottie wasn't. She had changed. Her depression had lifted and she demonstrated a new believing faith. She turned to God, not me, for her answers to her problems. One night I attended a Bible study with her that focused on one penetrating question. Three words. Who was Jesus? All my life I had said the word Son of God, but had never trusted him. That night I came face to face with the opportunity to follow him. I prayed with Dottie in the front seat of our car and I gave my life over to Christ. I didn't see angels. I didn't hear music. No blinding lights. But I knew it was real. I knew it was real. 
The next day I woke up with an insatiable desire to read my, my Bible. It cost the government $400 million for me to walk three days on the moon and it's over. But to walk with Jesus is free and it lasts forever. What a testimony. I want to ask you, when's the last time you shared your personal testimony? Can you share it? No. Paul Saul reminds us in Romans 1, 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. He said, I'm not ashamed to share it. You know, sharing our testimony nowadays, it may not be the most political thing. It, it may not be the thing that people think that they need to hear from our mouths. But you know, sometimes it's not what they think they need to hear, but what they should hear. They need to hear our testimonies of what Jesus has done in our life. How he has saved us, how he has healed us, how he has loved us. How he has got us through difficult times that we couldn't have gotten through by ourselves. How he's blessed our marriages, how he's healed our marriages. How he's there every time that we call upon his name. People need to hear this. And because Saul joined other believers, because he was built up and encouraged, he proclaimed Jesus as the Son of God by sharing his own testimony. And because of that, this is number four. Are you ready? Number four is this. Once in Christ, we grow spiritually. Why? Because of our steadfastness and continuance within Jesus. Once in Jesus, we grow spiritually. Now, verse 22 says that Saul grew more and more what? Powerful. And he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. You know, I'm reminded of one of Saul or Paul's most famous verses that many Christians know by heart. And it's this, Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through him who gives me one, who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through him who gives me Strength. I want to make a clear point this morning, church. The strength that Saul was increasing in, it wasn't his physical strength. It was his spiritual strength. He was becoming stronger inwardly while his purpose was growing as well. Plus, the more he grew in the Lord, the more he was able to baffle the minds of the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And Saul was not only making the people rethink their opinion of him, but Saul was also making the people rethink their opinion of Jesus Christ. Listen to these words of Saul or Paul from Galatians 2.20. Church, listen to this. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. His life was no longer his own. He lived for Jesus. You know, sometimes we need to be reminded that our spiritual growth needs a jump start. Even in times of difficulty, even in times of persecution, Saul grasped the love of Jesus and what Jesus did for 
him. He never had to question who Jesus was after that day that Jesus saved his life. He knew. He shared it. He showed it. He explained it. And Saul is a great example of what we are to do when we give our life over to Jesus. He sought out other Christians. He proclaimed Jesus as the Son of God. He had changed within him. Saul continued to grow spiritually because he stayed connected to his strength and to his purpose. Now, one of the things that I have come to hear over my 12 years of ministry is this. People will come to me and they will say, Pastor, my, my walk with Jesus is just not where it needs to be. I know it's not Jesus that has left me, but it has been me that has walked out on Jesus. It's been me that's walked out on Jesus. Is that what Jesus expects of us? Is that what is Jesus wants from us? Now, I realize this morning that you are not Saul. I am not Saul. I realize that God has not called everyone to be a preacher or a pastor. But don't we all have a responsibility of being a living testimony for Jesus? Every single one of us that is here today, every single one of those that are listening on Facebook Live or wherever they are in this world, don't we have a responsibility of being a living testimony for the one that lived and died and rose again for us? And people will say, well, why do we need to pray? Why do we need to rededicate our lives back to Jesus? Because sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we need to re-jumpstart our lives with Jesus. So let me ask you, where are you at with your walk in Christ? And I want you to be absolutely transparent with God this morning because He knows. Are you committed to a church family? Are you committed to a church family? Does your life proclaim Jesus? Men and women, are you growing spiritually? Teenagers, are you growing spiritually? You know, a lot of people, you can ask them right now, how do you feel about yourself? And many people will say, I'll be honest, I really don't feel real good about who I am. You know, God can change that. And God wants to change that. So maybe this morning Jesus has answered your, your now what question. Maybe this morning you're looking for a new church home. Maybe this morning you're looking for somewhere to place your roots down and call this your church family. Maybe this morning you're looking for a place that you can use your talents. Maybe this morning you're looking for an opportunity to connect with other believers. Maybe this morning you just need to renew your walk with God. Or maybe this morning you're here and, and you realize, Brother Donnie, I know that I'm lost. I know I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus has answered that and says, listen, I am the Son of God. You can come to me and I will forgive you and I will show you grace and I will give you forgiveness and I will restore you and I will save you. And I will put in you my Holy Spirit to seal you for eternity. For some of you, maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord. 
and Savior. Or maybe you all were like the man that I told the testimony earlier. I knew Jesus basically as the Son of God, but I never had a relationship with Him. You know, this morning, this is a great opportunity for decisions to be made. Amen. This is a great opportunity to quit hiding behind the walls and to tear them down and to let Jesus move in your life. And so this morning, as we stand and as we sing, as Billy comes, this is your opportunity to come. This is your altar. This is your moment. I pray this morning that you come.